Welcome once again, nerds, to the news. As the year rolls to an end, it seems that things can seem to be ramping up a little bit. This week in music, we have Marilyn Manson in court again. We also have a very probable timeline for the Nintendo Switch 2 directly from Nintendo. The Ripiverse just keeps showing that story trumps all when it comes to comic books. Kevin Smith's He-Man finds his way back to Netflix to mixed reviews. Studio Ghibli rolls on in unexpected ways. X-Men leads our rumor mill section, all of that and so much more. So, welcome back, nerds. All right, uh, we have we have housekeeping to get out of the way. There is a little bit of housekeeping, housekeeping. to talk about. Uh, first up, there is, uh, we are roughly six weeks away from the off season. Again, for those that don't know, in the off season, the format changes a little bit, but we don't go away completely because the off season is so long for me. I can't afford to be just gone for three months. I'll lose so many subscribers. So that's how we do the off season. We turn into a live show exclusively for about three months, uh, two and a half, three months. So that's the, the first thing for housekeeping. From there, continuing with the off season stuff, uh, we are not going to be doing a shout out show save for one more time uh, right before the off season starts. So I am just going to be accruing all new subscribers, all interactions on social and uh, all of that stuff uh, for one big shout out show at right at the end of the season. So apologies if you are one of the few that actually watches the shout out show. Appreciate you. It's just it's not it doesn't get enough traffic for me to focus on it. I do like doing it, so that's why we're doing one more um, until next season. Then we'll pick back up, hopefully, uh, with the regular schedule for the shout-out show. But right now, there's just a bunch of other stuff going on that is more in need of my attention than doing a show that gets like 10 views. So there's that. <laughs> and uh, as so for that, we're just not going to see Nerdagon uh, for a little bit, it would seem, at least not in his proper capacity. So my apologies to Nerdagon. What? No shout outs? Oh man, that sucks. Sorry, buddy, but it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I'll make myself useful somehow. We are still planning on the week of November 7th being a change in format as well because it is going to be a pretty hectic week as far as trying to get interviews and a couple of personal things and so on and so forth. So the week of November 7th is very likely going to be a just a, a, a nerdy recommends show, I believe, is where we're going to go with that. Maybe a rumor show exclusively. Haven't really decided. I mean, if you have a, a preference one way or the other, let me know in the comments and you know we'll get to that but uh, as that stands i believe that is everything that we have for the housekeeping section housekeeping, you want pillow? so let's jump into the news 
So, in music news this week, as teased at the beginning of the main episode, we have Marilyn Manson back in court. We have some new touring announcements, specifically one from a new band that I'm really digging on, Fuming Mouth, as well as Bandcamp changing ownership. So, a lot of stuff to talk about in the news, in the music section. Uh, so kicking things off, we do have a follow-up this week, and that follow-up is the big Manson story. Once again, Manson is finding himself in court uh, for allegations and for charges pressed from years previously. Uh, this one is, there's a lot of uh, details that have been left out of the press announcement, largely because this has been settled outside of court, is before the trial was supposed to begin. By about a week, uh, trial was supposed to begin a week from, I think, it was two days ago, so a week from this past Monday, and it, it didn't happen because Manson has settled out of court with his accuser. A large part of why the accuser accepted this out of court settlement is because she wanted to remain anonymous. She didn't want which comes with celebrity when you when you interact with celebrities, if there's a negative interaction, for some reason, people always side with certain people, I should say, always side with the celebrity. And so the accuser of said negative information or the, the, the bearer of bad news in a way uh, is the one that receives all of the horrible uh, elements of the fandom from the said celebrity. And Manson's fans are some of the more toxic. Uh, just kind of a blanket statement. I'm not saying everyone who's a fan of Manson. I am a fan of Manson and I don't believe I am toxic, but there is a large swath of Manson fans that are dyed in the wool, hardcore Manson fans that believe that everything the man says is gospel. And that's only slightly hyperbole. Um, so this person knows this and actually, even though she is anonymous as far as the court documents go, apparently she has already received uh, death threats and doxing attempts and so on and so forth. So if she were to become not anonymous in the public eye, then that would just exponentially get worse and worse and worse. So I totally understand why this happened. Uh, it is a, an allegation of rape. Uh, and also, I think there was menacing involved with this one because at one point he said he was going to kill her and really ugly stuff. Uh, I believe that the official statement from Manson's lawyers is not so is not that him settling this outside of court means that he's guilty. I, I'm pretty sure the official company line is there was enough evidence to make it look like he might have actually done it. And in the court of public opinion, people were going to turn on him anyway. So they just kind of took the easy way out and paid less than what the accuser was asking for in her lawsuit. Uh, so they see it as a win somehow. I, I Legal and celebrity and it is what it is. Uh, just being able to divest the artist from the art, I think, is the key thing here. If you're a fan of his music, that doesn't mean you have to support his personal life. Uh, and, and that's kind of the, where, where we're going to drop that one. We will be keeping tabs because Manson will find himself again in court uh, because there are a number of outstanding charges on him uh, going forward in the months to come. So as they happen, we will be talking about them. That's what we have for follow-ups, though. So let's get into new music, shall we?
This week in new music, it's actually a relatively mild week considering the last like month we've had. It's literally been like a page of notes just for the new music section. This time it's only like a quarter of a page of notes. So that's, that's kind of give you an idea of where we're at. We have one, two, three, four, five, six videos, uh, six new songs released, all of which, save for one, I believe, have videos that have launched with them. So let's get into that. First up on the list, we have Red. Christian metal band Red has released a new single called Surrogates from their currently out album. I didn't put it in the notes and I apologize, but it's Red, so you know what you're getting into. This is Octane Core, uh, Metal Core Light, I guess. Uh, Octane Core at its best. This is at its truest form. This, if you know the band Red at all, then you know exactly what you're getting into. That's not exactly a bad thing. This song just isn't one of the ones that really sticks out of the crowd. It kind of sits towards the middle. Nothing really to write home about. If you are a fan of that uh, fairly heavy but still safe kind of sound, which most metalcore kind of falls into, then you're going to really dig this. If you're not into Red, this isn't going to change your mind. So, I don't know, a very mild recommend. Probably one that's mostly for the fans, though. Next up is kind of an unexpected one. Uh, though I haven't, this, this artist has not been on my radar very much just for whatever reason. Uh, though I apparently she's released a number of singles since we spoke about her last but Harper uh, the the little girl that did the metal vocals when on Britain's Got Talent I believe was the show that she was on uh, she did a spirit box cover for that and now she's back with a uh, bring me the horizon cover this time uh, the, her production staff is, or her production team, I guess, is really, really good. And as she has gotten older, I believe she started when she was like eight or nine and she's about 12 now, so it's been a few years, but uh, as she's gotten older, she's really gotten into the vocal style that she's been doing, this really uh, aggressive kind of scream vocal and a uh, vocal fry scream is what it sounds like. I, I, it could be false chord. I'm really, really still trying to pick that one apart, but I'm pretty sure she's doing a fry. Either way, <laughs> this song isn't exactly a standout track for Harper. Her first big one, her first original one that got all kinds of play on Liquid Metal when it was uh, the, the single uh, was actually very good. Uh, this one, I, it might be because it's a cover and probably not as much effort was put into it. It just kind of doesn't do it for me, I guess. Uh, so it, it's it's still impressive that a 12-year-old girl can do that with her voice and that it is, you know, something that is being very much welcomed by the metal community and I'm super here for that. But this song in particular just isn't executed quite as well as the rest. So <laughs> Lorna Shore has also come out with some new music, which I believe means we're looking for probably a new record release, at least an uh, EP coming up soon-ish. The name of this song is Welcome Back, O Sleeping Dreamer. Uh, playing with the form a little bit, always a good thing. Uh, not really stretching their legs maybe as much as I would want them to. I'm a fan of Lorna Shore. I've seen them live now finally, and uh, I still stand by my criticism of their recordings that those triggered drums, those drum-replaced drums, 
uh, just don't do the music any favors. It's too surgical. It's too soulless. Uh, yeah, it's cool that it's really rapid fire and the bottom end really comes alive because of it, but it would come alive more if it was a human making those noises. I know technically in a certain way that is the way what's happening, but it's not the way it sounds. Either way, this new track is exactly what you're expecting out of Lorna Shore. Uh, some, some structural changes is how what I was referring to as far as uh, how they're playing with the form they kind of drop a little bit of a breakdown towards the beginning of the song this time so that's kind of what I'm talking about but from there it's just exactly what you'd expect and then at the end you get the super heavy breakdown because that is what Lorna Shore does oh so freaking well so if you like Lorna Shore this is going to be it uh deathcore in general you're going to really dig this uh but it's not it's not really stretching those legs as far as creativity goes so you're not bringing in a new audience not that that's necessary but it's just not happening here our next piece of new music is Dying Wish. The name of this new song is Path to Your Grave. And I am just going to keep saying this every time we talk about this band. But the singer, Emma Boster, Boster? Boster, uh, keeps showing us that the seat at the top of the metalcore mountain that was vacated by uh, Walls of Jericho vocalist Candace Cookslayan. I know I'm saying Candace's na last name incorrectly, and I apologize, but that seat belongs to Emma these days. Since Candace this is kind of MIA. We don't really have a whole lot of activity from Walls of Jericho. Dying Wish is definitely filling that slot for me. And I love Walls of Jericho. Really, really getting into Dying Wish. Every new track is, is a little bit more fresh, a little bit more kind of playing with form. I feel like Emma's vocals could use a little bit of work on the production side. I think her performance is fantastic. I just think whoever's producing them just needs to kind of br bring her out a little bit more in the mix and get a better EQ, I think is really what's missing here uh, because it's all, all highs. I know it's a female voice and there are more highs in a female voice, but not that many more highs. I feel like there's a little bit of bottom end missing that would really round out their sound a lot. And this song kind of exemplifies that the most. But I honestly think if you're going to start listening to Dying Wish, this is a pretty good track to go for. If you like heavy music, you've never listened to them, definitely go check out this new track from them, Path to Your Grave. And then let's get to the stuff that isn't super heavy. And <laughs> starting things off, we have some 41. We talked about them last week. Didn't do a proper reaction video to this. Just it, I don't really have time for extra videos these days. So that's why we're here. But uh, the name of the new some 41 song is Landmines. Uh, is, uh, does pop punk a la some 41 work? like it used to in 2023. This really isn't a departure of form for Sum 41. It's kind of a more mellow tune than what they were putting out back when they were, you know, still the thing, still the big, uh, one of the big names in the pop punk, but it still feels very much like them and it doesn't feel like they've really evolved the sound very much. It's a solidly written tune. It's a solidly produced song. Uh, I feel like Derek Wibley, the vocalist, lead uh, guitar, whatever, uh, I feel like he just is stuck in, an, in a place as far as his songwriting goes that isn't isn't evolving with his artistry, I guess is a, is a fair way to put it. So I, if you like some 41, you'll like this. If you don't like some 41, this isn't changing your mind. 
And then, completely outside of the rock and roll arena, we are going with a straight-up pop tune. NSYNC has released their first single in, I believe, 16 years. Uh, could be even longer than that. The name of the track is Better Place. It comes from the new Trolls movie soundtrack, apparently. Uh, if you watch Hot Ones and you saw the guys from NSYNC did the, one of the more recent episodes in this season for Hot Ones uh, as a promotion for this, and then they released a behind-the-scenes kind of teaser for it that really is hyping up the audience for uh, Justin Timberlake featuring NSYNC song. I mean, as much as I really appreciate Justin, and I honestly paid money for his first two albums, so I'm not completely a metal elitist, but uh, yeah, it, this, is, this is just Justin Timberlake featuring NSYNC is what it feels like. It's still solidly produced. It's still, it still works is the, is the really big thing here. Definitely still works. Definitely, if you're a pop music listener, this is going to be one that you play on rotation. If you're not much for the pop, this is a pretty good example of modern pop. This is, Justin Timberlake just does the thing well, and whoever he's bringing along for the ride is also going to be elevated because of that. And very much on display here. All right, so like I said, new music, pretty short. Let's talk now about tours, shall we? Tours and festivals. We have a pretty big festival announcement uh, at the end of this section, but let's start first with the Ministry. Our Ministry, whatever, Al Jorgensen. <laughs> so Ministry has announced they're going on tour, and this is the most awesome thing I've seen with Ministry for a minute because we have Gary Newman and Frontline Assembly as the supporting acts for Ministry, which honestly kind of feels more maybe like Gary Newman should be the headline and Ministry should be co-headline, but I don't know. I don't know, I don't know how their record sales are looking these days, but Gary Newman just seems like a bigger, more prominent artist. Either way, that's pretty epic. That whole lineup there is pretty freaking awesome for the industrial-minded. Uh, and so this is... Oh, I just totally lost my place in the notes. The, the tour starts February 27th in San Francisco, runs through April 5th in Tucson, Arizona. There is a pre-sale. It has not begun yet. If you follow the link in the description, you should be able to get to the pre-sale with a pre-sale code, no less. So go check that out if you want to go see Ministry with Gary freaking Newman and Frontline Assembly. From there, we have another one that's pretty big. Uh, the Foo Fighters have announced that they're doing a bit of an arena tour throughout North America. Uh, this is going to be the Everything or Nothing at All Stadium Tour is the official name. Uh, support comes from, and not all the dates are going to be all of these bands, but all of these bands are somewhere on the tour. We have The Pretenders, The Hives, Mammoth, WVH, uh, Amyland, The Sniffers, Alex G, and L7 are all supporting acts on this tour. It's a rather short tour because it is stadiums, so they're doing a couple of these uh locations are doing a couple of dates, but we have uh, starting July 17th in New York City, runs through August 18th in Seattle, Washington. Uh, it sounds like it's a month long. It's really not. There's, I believe, seven or eight dates in total on this. So if you want tickets, then you can, uh, you're going to have to go get them through foofighters.com because there wasn't any ticket links, uh, like no general ticket link. You're going to have to go individually for your city. So go check out foofighters.com to do that. Uh, oh, and they have 
haven't been out on sale. That was the other part of the notes. The, the pre-sales uh, are not up yet for this, so you're gonna have to keep tabs on your own. I apologize. From there, let's move on. We have another pretty awesome tour. This is a little bit of a smaller scale tour and a little more heavy. Uh, we have Fuming Mouth is going out on tour. This is a newer band. They are not headlining. This is They are in support of uh, Devil Master, who I haven't heard of, which seems odd. Uh, but it's uh, Fuming Mouth and Final Gasp supporting Devil Master. The tour starts October 31st in Brooklyn, New York, runs through December 3rd in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, there is a ticket link down in the description. If you want to check this tour out, I would highly suggest that Fuming Mouth is one of the bigger bands coming up on the uh, uh, hardcore, like metalcore, hardcore kind of stuff. A little thrashier than, say, Red, whom we were talking about earlier. Uh, then, yeah, the Fuming Mouth is really solid hardcore music. Uh, again, don't know who Final Gasp or Devil Master are, but the show is going to be relatively cheap, so probably be worth your time. From there, we have uh, Dying Wish. We talked about them in the new music. They also have announced a new tour. Uh, Dying Wish uh, is the going out on tour. They are headlining. Support comes from Boundaries, Omerta, which uh, Dying Wish and Omerta on the same bill, that in and of itself is enough. And I actually looked up tickets. They're roughly 30 bucks per venue. So absolutely worth your time. Uh, the other bands are Foreign Hands, Gates to Hell, Roman Candle, and Exide. So it is a big bill. Get there early. Support all of the acts for sure. Uh, it begins October 20th in Santa Cruz, California. Ends December 2nd in Anaheim, California. They are not only staying on the West Coast. They are going across the country and back. So there is a date near you. Go check it out. Tickets, again, can be found if you follow the link in the description. And then our final piece in tours and festivals, like I said, big festival announcement, Bloodstock 2024. I believe this is in Sweden, so kinda if you don't are if you don't live there and you don't already have plans to go there, you might not be getting tickets. But Bloodstock this year is happening August 8th through 11th, or next year rather, in 2024. August 8th through 11th, and they have announced that Opeth will be headlining the final night, which is kind of the biggest slot of honor. Uh, this is the, I think, the third or fourth time Opeth has done this. Uh, this time, though, is unique, at least as far as Opeth is concerned, because they are allowing the fans to pick the set list. So if you are an Opeth fan, then you should jump on this. I could not find exactly how you're, you are to submit what songs you wanted to hear. Uh, you're probably going to be on the website, though it didn't look like anything was active when I last checked leading up to today's episode. You do have a little bit of time, just about a year uh, before this is a thing. So it probably take them some time to get that up. I would imagine it would be somewhere through their website though. So check out the Opeth official website if you want to do that. Other bands that have been confirmed already for this show are Hatebreed, Enslaved, Nervosa, Crypta, Beast in Black, and Forbidden. Many, many more are going to be announced. We will be keeping tabs on Bloodstock. It's one of the bigger ones that happens every year. Again, I can't remember if it's Sweden or Germany, but it's one of the two. So if you're not already going, maybe maybe now is a good time to actually make those plans. Uh, but yeah, that's what we have for tours and festivals. Let's talk about some regular-ass news for a moment. First in the regular-ass news section is Porno for Pyros. Uh, so band that maybe some younger listeners might not know. 
If you'd know Jane's Addiction, then you kind of know Porno for Pyros, because Perry Farrell is the lead singer for both of these bands. Porno, Porno for Pyros was a side project that Perry Farrell started uh, between uh, Jane's Addiction. Uh, it's, it's kind of the TLDR real quick. But between Jane's Addiction pr uh, projects, that's where Porno for Pyros came out. They have uh, to date given us uh, something in the neighborhood of four records. They are doing a reunion tour. It's the first time they are going on tour together. I think Perry said in like 24 years. So that's pretty epic. But a little bit of bad news is they pushed back. They postponed this tour that they have announced. And uh, the, the rescheduled dates have not yet been announced. But the reason they have pushed it back is because they are still in the studio recording a brand new album. So Porno for Pyro's putting out a new album and then going on tour and they want to have the album out before the tour hits. So uh, from what Perry said on his social media, it sounds like the announcement of the release of the album as well as the announcement of the rescheduled dates for the tour should be coming soon. First will be the uh, the album announcement and then the, the tour dates announcement. And the tour dates are going to be, uh, I, he said something along the line of a month or so beyond the release of the album because he wants the fans to have time to digest the new music so they can hear it live and under, and know what it is and and whatnot and so forth so uh yeah pretty awesome of them even though it does kind of postpone anybody who enjoys porno for pyros which they are a pretty damn good band if you don't know who they are Go check out Porno for Pyros. I can't think of the record that I that I listened to back in the day a lot, but it's it's good stuff. I mean, Perry Farrell's just a hell of a uh, orchestrator, if you will. Uh, but that's what we got there. Let's move into our other big piece of regular ass news, and that is Bandcamp. So Bandcamp is for those that don't know. Bandcamp is a website where unsigned artists like myself uh, and any of the projects I've done. Well, not any of the projects, but the bigger projects that I've done are up on Bandcamp. Um, you can go to Bandcamp and you can have Bandcamp host your music and you can sell your music on the platform. Uh, they were bought back in, I believe it was 2016 by Epic Games. Uh, Epic Games uh, has made a couple of uh, acquisitions in the years since and we're going to get a little bit into more detail as far as the Epic side of things goes. But uh, the long and the short of that, we're going to talk about that in gaming. Long and the short of that, as far as it pertains to Bandcamp, is Epic has divested from Bandcamp. So no longer do they own Bandcamp. Uh, the company that is taking over Bandcamp is a company called Song Trader. Uh, T-R-A-D-R, all one word though. Uh, they, Song Trader is a, is a company that's been around for a while. They are also a streamer. Uh, they will be expanding the money-making possibilities for the artists on the platform. This is a paraphrase of their announcement when they took over. Uh, they are going to be offering more licensing options for musicians. So you can sign a license agreement that says that content creators, so YouTubers, again, like myself, uh, content creators or businesses or uh, uh, corporations and whatnot can option to use your music in their stuff. Uh, and then you'll get paid for it. So it's kind of a, a good thing as far as the, as if, on paper at the very least, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna judge this as a good thing until we actually see it in practice. But on paper, this looks like it is going to very potentially be a rather good thing for users of Bandcamp, the artists who are posting their music and who are trying to get discovered or at the very least trying to make a living doing the thing that they're passionate about. So that's actually potentially awesome uh, and they 
have a global licensing network. So it's not just going to be stuff in the States. There is going to be stuff from apparently across the globe that is going to have the option to license your music to use in their thing so you can get paid. So that's pretty freaking awesome. Hopefully it is as good as it sounds. We, re we reserve the right to make that judgment until a later date though. That's what we got for regular ass news though, guys. So uh, let's get into music suggestion for the week. Uh, again, Halloween, we do the scarier things. Generally speaking in music, kind of generally how we go anyway, because metal suggestions, most people consider metal music to be scary music, but, this week's musical suggestion is of Sulphur. Their one and only full-length record is called Burden of Faith. It came out not too long ago. It is very much horror-themed, or at least horror-adjacent, in the imagery and the uh, lyrical content. But it features some pretty heavy-hitting guest vocal spots. Howard Jones, formerly of Killswitch Engage, Alex Terrible from Slaughter to Prevail. Just, I would say, standout tracks are X, Y, and Z, but really, the entire record is a standout track. No rock bass syndrome to be found, performance or production. Just an all-around stellar blackened deathcore record. Absolutely go listen to Burden of Faith from Of Silver. All right, gaming and tech is next. This week in gaming and tech, we got a roadmap for the Nintendo Switch 2, possibly. We have some crazy layoffs spanning the gamut of gaming and tech, as well as the hacking, uh, retro gaming, and DIY computer community. All three are getting a pretty big update on their capabilities. So let's jump into all of that, shall we? Uh, we have one follow-up this week, uh, the Batman Arkham Trilogy, uh, the the com combination game that is going to be released for the Switch has been pushed back. It is now coming out December 1st. I believe originally it was supposed to be out in November, so they're pushing it back by about a month. Uh, though I could have been October, and I'm just remembering that incorrectly. Didn't put it in the notes because I take amazing notes. Either way, that's what you got. December 1st is when you can expect to put Arkham, the, the Arkham Trilogy, on your Switch. That's what we got for follow-ups and corrections. Let's talk now about some regular-ass news. Uh, in regular ass news, coming out the gate with the big guns, we have the Nintendo Switch 2, or whatever the successor to the Nintendo Switch is going to be. Uh, so there's been a lot of speculation across the media as far as when this is going to be officially announced. At this point, we've all kind of come to the conclusion it's going to be sometime in 2024, though that is very much still unofficial. That is still rumor territory by and large. But we did get a little bit of hope this week because we got an interview with uh, Shintaro Furukawa, who is the Nintendo president in Japan. Uh, he was talking with uh, J Japanese media outlet Nikkei, uh, and he was talking about fiscal uh, the, the plans over the next couple fiscal years. Uh, so he said very explicitly that they are supporting the hardware through the end of uh, fiscal year of 2023, which ends in March of 2024. So hardware support, he said very explicitly, is going that far. As far as software support on the Nintendo Switch, the only thing he would commit to in this interview is that software support was going to continue through fiscal year of 2024. 
which ends in March of 25. So if they're not planning long term, then it seems that they're feeding into the expectations across the industry that we will, in fact, be getting some sort of announcement as it pertains to the successor to the Nintendo Switch from Nintendo before the end of the proper calendar year in 2024. Very likely end of our beginning of fall end of summer it seems to be the most likely as they're going to want to start ramping up uh, announcements and potentially release it next year though i'm not holding my breath for that so from there uh let's let's move on we have some layoffs to talk about we actually have three companies that are going across like i said across all of the gaming and tech stuff that is doing some layoffs uh, the first of which and probably the most significant at least this round is epic games epic games is changing their business strategy at least a little bit because this was technically been part of their business strategy up to this point it's just now they're leaning into this and kind of foregoing other things so we talked previously in the music section about how they've divested from Bandcamp they are no longer the parent company for Bandcamp well uh, as part of that uh, they are also going to shift their focus almost exclusively it would seem I mean not completely exclusively because they still have Fall Guys and stuff but almost exclusively because they have canceled other projects into Fortnite. So Fortnite, they're going to be treating as a metaverse. Uh, there's a quote here. It's uh, as a metaverse inspired ecosystem for creators, according to CEO Tim Sweeney over at Epic Games. So they want Fortnite to be something along the lines of metaverse, which meta is giving us, uh, aka Facebook, uh, their version of that with their glasses and uh yeah so this is just crazy so because of that because they're shifting their focus that way and because fortnite has not been making them as much money as it should meaning they're spending more money on fortnite and other projects than they are bringing in from all projects together they're laying off 16% approximately of their workforce which equates to roughly 100 and or 830 jobs are being lost at epic games because they're switching their focus i just can't get over how weird that is that they want to switch their focus over to fortnite like i mean this could be a sign of the times this could be you know you, these battle royale games these free to play uh the 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 freemium type games are not doing as well as once hoped uh, because people aren't restricted to their houses anymore. So they don't have endless amounts of time to just play these free to play games. Uh, so they want a little bit more substance with their gaming when they are sitting down to play. Uh, I just don't oof, it This just seems like potentially a bad move. Uh, we will be keeping tabs on it, though, it, going from from here on, because Wow. Uh, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to do this. Let's do this. I'm going to pass this off to you guys who in the audience uh, views Fortnite as a tool for creating content. Yes, I know that a lot of people do like Let's Play videos. A lot of people do stream Fortnite that is big for streamers. But like as far as like 
traditional content like like machinima we'll, we'll put it that way does anybody make machinima inside of the world of fortnite so to me that's more what content creation inside of an ecosystem looks like is you look you're telling an original story using the 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 ecosystem as the tool through which you're telling it right so uh the the red versus blue is original content created in the halo engine uh is there anything that is there any sort of and uh, like equal to that in the Fortnite ecosystem. I'm unaware. Uh, I very well could just be because I'm old, but I don't know. I'm going to hand that off to you guys. Is that an option? Is that something people are doing? Is that uh, something people see as potential going forward? I just don't know. So let's talk about that in the comment section. From there, let's move right along. Again, more layoffs. We have Twitch laying off some employees this year. Uh, more layoffs, uh, this time uh, mostly affecting the customer experience department. Uh, if you remember a few months back, Amazon had rather sizable layoffs. Uh, this is just continuing the trend. Uh, again, mostly from customer experience over on Twitch, which seems to be counterintuitive uh, because like, isn't that like the big complaint that most creators on that platform have is the customer experience is just subpar. Uh, I believe the official uh, media announcement had something to do with this being because they restructured the way they function as a company and some jobs became redundant. So they just laid off the redundancies. Hopefully it pays off for them, but this I think is just the 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 beginning of the end, if you will, for Twitch. They've they've kind of been struggling for some time, and now they're restructuring and laying people off. Seems to be like maybe Twitch is not that long for this world. Uh, and then one other round of layoffs. This time we're talking about Naughty Dog. This is layoffs is a little bit of a strong term, so. <laughs> Really, what this is is they're not uh, they're not renewing temporary contracts with approximately what is it like 26 different employees, uh, 25 different contracted temp, temp workers are not being brought back at the end of their after the end of their contract. So, not exactly layoffs in the traditional sense, though it does again apparently kind of show the the sign of the times uh, because most of these. Uh, contracts that are not being renewed are from the quality assurance department. So basically what they're not bringing back are the game testers, the, the alpha testers, the people who are going to find the bugs for them before they release a thing, which very much is a sign of the times because even a game like I thought for sure when Mortal Kombat 1 launched that it was going to be one of the few like yeah there was going to be some bugs but it wasn't going to be anything like really game breaking at least not major like no major issues uh I was definitely wrong especially considering the switch uh, situation which still uh, from most recent accounts plays all right they're just missing some content by and large and then obviously the graphical issues which we talked about in a previous video but uh the <laughs> i i always figured because their development cycle over at netherrealm was so long and perceivably so uh thorough that the game when it launched would be fairly solid and then they would just add on top of what was already there. Uh, most other AAA titles launch in what is by and large considered a beta state 
and then they become a full and proper game the year following. There's the updates and you get free DLC and, you know, bug fixes and so on and so forth over the course of the year. And then after a year or so, once it's launched, that's when it is a full and complete game. And then they can start to add features to what they had intended uh, to, to release initially see Halo Infinite as a prime example of that. That game launched with four different multiplayer modes. Four. Wow. It's uh, We're looking at, I think, like 18 on average, 16 to 18 on average multiplayer modes now currently in that game. So that's kind of where the state of the gaming industry is. So when you don't, when you don't do a lot of QA, then you don't need that much of a QA department. So that's probably, and this is totally conjecture, but that's probably why they're not bringing back more QA workers is because we can just let the audience be the, the quality assurance. And that's totally a great idea. And I'm absolutely behind it 100%. No, I'm totally being facetious. Uh, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, this also, and continuing on with the story, this also has factored into The Last of Us. Uh, the multiplayer game that they said that they were going to be launching soon is now indefinitely on hold. It has been put on ice, to quote a term. Uh, so we may very well not see a multiplayer Last of Us game ever uh, because of this new direction. It seems that seems slightly unlikely again because this is mostly QA. So like the actual development team is still there, but they did make the announcement that it is on ice effectively currently. So yeah, <laughs> let's get to our last piece of regular ass news uh, because I just keep going on and on. Uh, Raspberry Pi 5, that's the big one. Raspberry Pi 5, it has been announced, I believe, if you, uh, I, I'm a little late to this announcement, and I apologize because tech is just harder to keep track of for whatever reason, by myself. Uh, but either way, Raspberry Pi uh, officially was announced about a week and a half, two weeks ago. So you could get pre-orders in. Your pre-order would get you, uh, $60 is the four gigabyte, four gigabyte version of the Raspberry Pi, and $80 is the eight gigabyte version of the Raspberry Pi. Uh, so why is this significant? So Raspberry Pis, for those that don't know, are very small computers, effectively about the size of like a business card or a credit card or something along those lines. That's roughly the form factor of a Raspberry Pi. That is the entire computer. Uh, you can purchase an extra, uh, generally they've been about $10 for a Raspberry Pi inside of a case. So it's tack on $10 to that. Though this time around, it would seem that that's very likely going to increase a bit as well, because while the new processor, which uh, I can't, I don't have the name of the company in here because they take fucking amazing notes. <laughs> uh, so the, 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 the company that develops the Raspberry Pi, I can't, I'm sorry, somebody hang me out to dry in the comments, please. But uh, they developed in-house the silicon for their processor this time, which makes makes it a little bit cheaper for them. And also because it's a new processor, you got uh, less power draw to do individual tasks, but a higher peak performance. Uh, so that's why this time the case is going to be probably a little bit more expensive because that processor gets a bit more hot, which means it's going to require for the first time in the history of Raspberry Pi, 
a cooling system. You will need to have cooling for the processor this time around. Uh, also significant upgrades this time. There's, uh, I think they doubled the IO, the input output uh, options. So USB, you have four instead of two. Uh, and you have two HDMI 4K60 outs, which is pretty freaking significant, especially if you are in the retro gaming community, because yes, <laughs> like you can have your game on one side and be monitoring your stats on the other, or be, you could run your, uh, if you have OBS and you're running Linux, you can run your OBS screen on the others. Just the possibilities are incredibly, incredibly vast at this point with a Raspberry Pi. So uh, yeah, like I said, pre-orders have gone out. Uh, get them while you can, because as of Raspberry Pi 4, this is becoming a bit of a hot commodity. Uh, those pre-orders sold out really, really quick last time around. And then shortly thereafter, they were selling for hundreds of hundreds of dollars more, like $450 more, if I remember one of the ones I saw listed. Uh, on, on secondary markets and on Amazon and on eBay and so on and so forth. So if you are interested, if you have DIY computing stuff that you want to learn or you, you're trying to teach or something along those lines, you have uh, a, a vintage gaming collection that you're trying to keep back up or you're trying to get into vintage gaming or just, you know, hacking stuff, which we wouldn't ever support uh, in public, <laughs> but all of that stuff, if you are into any of that kind of thing or anything that needs this kind of form factor for a computer, get in on the pre-orders, assuming they're still active because it's gonna be hard to find afterwards. Uh, I, I think I'm done rambling for gaming and tech, so let's get into Gaming and tech suggestion this week, uh, still Mortal Kombat 1. Uh, actually, it goes along with our Halloween theme for suggestions for the month of October uh, because Mortal Kombat is kind of Halloween-y. There's a lot of costumes involved. They actually do some Halloween. They did Day of the Dead, uh, Dia, Dia de los Muertos uh, skin for Sub-Zero when it launched. I think there's one for Scorpion currently or soon or something along those lines. But yeah, uh, Mortal Kombat 1. It's The balance has happened. The little bit that they needed... Uh, post-launch because there were some pretty big issues there, but they have, for the most part, fixed them, uh, unless you're a Switch player, in which case, uh, maybe take it slow. But either way, Mortal Kombat 1 is where I'm sticking this month for, for gaming. I'm basically exclusively there. I haven't even touched Halo for about two weeks. So that's your suggestion for gaming this week. Comic books and books is gonna be quick this time around. We just have one piece and it's about the Ripaverse, so let's go. Uh, yeah, so no follow-ups, no trailers, no corrections, none of that stuff. We're just gonna cut out all the fat and go right into regular ass news. Regular ass news, we got uh, the Ripaverse. So Eric July and his, uh, I don't know, are you supposed to say I-S-O-M or Isom? I, I, I honestly don't know, uh, but they just keep scoring W's as far as the staffing goes over at the Ripaverse. Uh, so previously it has been announced that DC, former, former DC and Marvel collaborators, Chuck Dixon, Gabe El Taib, and Joe Bennett all switched from where they were to now working with Eric Ripa, er, Eric Ripa, Eric July in the Ripaverse. Uh, joining their ranks is Mike Barron, who famously wrote, I actually interviewed Barron a couple of times. I think it was once for this channel, once for a different channel. Um, 
famously wrote, I think there was a, there, he did Punisher for sure, and then he did like a Terminator thing back in, or no, I think it was Robocop actually, uh, back in the day. So pretty noteworthy writer, uh, has been a little bit under fire and, and scrutiny recently because his uh, conservatism shows pretty hard. <laughs> But uh, still, solid writer. He does really good stuff. In spite of whatever you feel about the politics involved with his writing, the actual writing itself is solid if you read his stuff. So, pretty awesome. He's been brought in to do a book called uh, Gooding. Gooding? Goody-ing? Goody-in? I don't know. G-O-O-D-Y-N-G. Uh, -O -O it's a character inside of the Ribiverse who is a frequent collaborator with Isam. I'm just going to assume that's how you say the main superhero's name inside the Ribiverse. Um, but yeah, Mike Barron's been tasked with filling out the backstory for, for Gooding. So that's pretty in pretty significant, man. Like, like, yeah, I'm definitely here for it. This is... This is uh, story over politics this is he just wants a good story to happen and he knows the people that are that are itching to write that good story and baron has has a pretty good track record as far as quality stories go so pretty excited about this we'll see what happens there but that's what we got no uh no launch time frame just yet though it has been greenlit he is into the actual script uh so that's the yeah if you follow the link you can see kind of how Mike Barron's workflow is and understand that that's a pretty significant step in his workflow. That's all we got though for comic books and books. So let's talk about suggestion for comics. Uh, this week, again, Halloween, we're themed. It's October. We're talking witches from Scott Snyder. Uh, yeah, it's the art by Jock. This book is, ju is honestly just a hell of a book anyway <laughs> but uh, as far as like staying in theme it's a horror comic book staying in theme with with halloween this is going to be a solid read uh i uh, i believe it's image comics yes image comics is who put it out it came out in october uh started october of 2014 it is six issues long and honestly some of the best horror it is a little graphic so kind of heads up but some of the best horror comics you're ever going to read witches uh, read all six issues it's totally awesome <laughs> So, TV news this week, mostly trailers. We do have uh, Kevin Smith returning to Netflix with He-Man, oh boy. <laughs> we have Scott Pilgrim is dropping us some information. We have Tomb Raider, Castlevania, and a bit more, so let's do that. Uh, so, trailers, like I said, is all we're talking about this week primarily. There's no follow-ups, there's no anything else. We do have a few trailers to talk about, though. Uh, first and foremost, we have He-Man Masters of the Universe Revolution, not Revelation, Revolution. This is a quasi-sequel to the Revelation anime that happened a few years back that, uh, yeah, did not go so over so well with the community. Um, the official Netflix, like, synopsis that they give the, the like three line blurb about what the show is says explicitly that it is only loosely related to that show or to yeah to that show so they maybe learned their lesson though uh i was actually unable to officially confirm that kevin smith is in fact the showrunner once again for or the writer even for this show 
but he's been part of the uh, he was part of the marketing as far as like conservative media media is concerned. They're the ones that are connecting his name to this. I was unable to, and I didn't really honestly. Let's transparency here. I wasn't a hundred percent looking through Netflix's uh, 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 references uh, to to verify whether he is or he isn't. But it is a loose sequel to his book. So there's a lot of uh, correcting that needs to happen in order for the community to accept this. It's still possible. It's still possible even if Kevin Smith is the one in charge. It's, I'm not saying that he can't do it. It's just going to be very much an uphill battle. So uh, yeah, the trailer though looks interesting. Very He-Man centric. So that's a good sign potentially, even though the trailers for the previous series were also He-Man centric and he was not a central character for the first half of that series. Oh boy. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, it's, we got there. Oh, it's uh, premiering sometime in uh, 2024. No exact release date for He-Man just yet. From there we have uh, Scott Pilgrim Takes Off has finally give us a little bit more footage. This is a teaser, not a proper trailer, though it's not a teaser in the same sense that we normally get teasers. This is like, it looks like they animated some of this, at least specifically for this teaser. And it's not just like very, very short clips. It's a, it's a whole little scene uh, that they animated for this. And it's pretty great. It's, it's showing you the, how they're going to be varying from the movie source material. Uh, very more likely how they're going to be getting closer to the manga source material. So because the two are fairly different, they're going to be leaning harder in the manga, though obviously they're, they're acknowledging that the movie existed because they're using the movie uh, live action cast as the voice cast for this anime. So pretty awesome. I, if you like Scott Pilgrim, you're going to love this. If you've never really been into Scott Pilgrim, you never got into it for whatever reason, uh, maybe the trailer's not going to do anything for you, but I think the series very well could because it looks like they're going in the right direction. Next on the list from Scott Pilgrim, we're going into Tomb Raider, a new Netflix uh, show, The Legend of Laura Croft. Yeah, this is a thing, apparently. Uh, it looks good. I'm not... But it's too short to really make a proper judgment on that, so... I'm reserving judgment on this because Netflix anime honestly is more down than up. Not really hit and miss, just mostly misses. Sometimes they get a hit, like Scott Pilgrim, but... And then that's really an early call there even too. So uh, from there, we also got some new Castlevania, the new Nocturne Castlevania anime series. We got the first seven minutes of the first episode has been released. So we get to see a little bit of the, it's the same animation style of the other Castlevania series. So if you liked that, you're going to like this. It's pretty great. A bit more gory and, and I definitely here for that. Hopefully it will be a little bit more action, a little less uh, conversation because that had a tendency to drag with the first series, but I still dug the first series a fair bit. So hopefully this series will just take that and kind of notch it up a little bit uh, from the looks of this first seven minutes, that's very likely, uh, though a lot of the community has kind of gotten upset about the wokening, if you will, of Castlevania. And it's like, 
I don't know how you get that from this trailer. So go check it out. Let me know what you think. And then our, we got the final trailer for the final episode or episodes, I can't remember, of Doom Patrol. And I have a lot of catching up on Doom Patrol because this looks really good. I I mean, it's everything I've watched. I've watched the first two and a half seasons. So I've got a little, little bit of catching up to do. Uh, that's fantastic stuff. And so this, the final, uh, we're in season five now, if I'm remembering correctly. And this is the end of the series. And it looks like they're going to go out with a bang. And go check out the trailer because it's, if you doubt me, uh, that's all we got for, for trailers. Suggestions then this week for uh, TV and streaming is Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. We're sticking with the Halloween theme for the month, and this is some of the better Halloween television programming. I would say it's in the same ballpark, probably not the same quality, but the same ballpark overall as uh, something like Supernatural or, or something along those lines. Uh, just all of the performances are fantastic. I really, really dig the fun that it seemed that everybody was having while making this series. Uh, not the least of which was Kieran Ship Shipka, who plays the titular Sabrina, and she just does a pretty decent job. She's a pretty good little actress, that's for sure. And you got a little bit of that in Mad Men, but now that she's kind of grown into that actor, uh, you get a whole lot of that with Sabrina. And so it's just a lot of fun. Uh, decent fun for the family, assuming you're okay with the devil imagery. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good watch all around. Go check out Sabrina, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, over on Netflix. Oh, hey nerds. So I gotta make myself useful. Now is the point in the show where you subscribe. I got a show for my lunch, so hit the subscribe button. Tell everyone you know about the show. That way we can keep doing these things that we do to keep you informed of all that's going on across the nerddom, as it were. Yeah. So thanks, and I'll see you next time, I guess. All right, back to the show. This week, movies, we finally got that Dr. Jekyll trailer that we've been waiting for for some time. So we're going to talk about that. We also, keeping up with things, the Toxic Avenger trailer dropped as well, proper. And Studio Ghibli is uh, giving us something that we really weren't expecting. So let's get into all of that. Starting things off, we have no follow-ups or corrections, but we do have some trailers. Uh, first up, let's talk about the Dr. Jekyll trailer because it dropped, I believe, like this morning or something as I'm filming this. So I had to like handwrite it into the notes because everything was already printed and ready to go. And Eddie Izzard as Dr. Jekyll, this looks like it might be a little bit of a missed opportunity because Eddie Izzard is trans. And so sh high showcasing the uh, the nature of a trans person, I think is a great way to tell the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It is not going to be a Mr. Hyde this time around. We assumed that the Dr. Jekyll was going to be Eddie's girl side, as, as uh, they put it, I think, uh, 
Eddie prefers the they them pronouns um, because said Eddie has said previously that uh, there are girl days and there are boy days and that's how they identify some days they feel like a girl and some days they feel like a boy uh, and so that's how they dress and approach the world and wish to be interpreted by the world so because of that like that seems like a perfect person to cast as Dr. Jekyll who is from the promotional stuff that we talked about previously the female and then presumably Hyde was going to be Mr. Hyde. But we learn in this trailer that it is Rachel Hyde. So both sides of the personality are female for the movie. And that just really screams of a very missed opportunity considering who Eddie Izzard is. So I don't know. Watch the trailer. Let me know what you think down in the comments and we will move on from there. Next up on the trailers list is the next movie from Henry Cavill, Argyle. Apparently this is based on an actual book. Uh, I'm unaware of the book and I apologize to those of you who are fans. Uh, but uh, the trailer is, is actually pretty dang cool. It's a little glossy as far as production. It's a little over the top at times, but uh, done very, very well in that it's edited explicitly to the beat of the music and i'm talking about like baby driver levels of editing to the music it's pretty freaking intense uh as far as like the technical side of things go um it looks like it's going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun though go check it out this trailer is definitely doing the thing it needs to and it's getting the uh, hype building for this movie uh, release date is, uh, where to go? Where to go? February, February of 2024 is when it will get released. Uh, then let's talk about the next Disney movie. The next animated Disney movie is going to be called Wish. Uh, it is not a Pixar movie. It is an animated Disney movie. And honestly, I feel like at least this time around, they're doing a pretty decent job based off of this trailer, doing a pretty decent job of differentiating those art styles. Because this, there are times, there's moments in this trailer where it almost looks like they hand animated at least some of the things in the frame. So uh, they very likely didn't. They very likely have just found a style inside of the computer animation to kind of affect a hand animated look. But still, it's not, not exactly cell shaded, but it's it looks pretty good. Uh, release date on this one is November 22nd. I honestly have no idea what uh, to expect out of a Disney, regular Disney, new regular Disney animated movie anymore. So maybe it's going to be good. I don't know. Uh, from there, let's talk about Toxic Avenger. Toxie has released a trailer and it's a teaser trailer. So it's very short and it's very much in the style of Troma, which is pretty awesome considering that's where this came from but like super rapid cuts and you're going jumping around all over and you get these weird like news articles and they're talking about certain and it's just this feels like old school trauma with a shiny new production veneer over the top and that's kind of what you expect out of uh, uh something like this and so it's great that they're following through with the promise and you even get a little bit of the blood and gore in the trailer. So that kind of gives you an idea of just how gory the movie's going to be. So that's also something that you expect from something like this. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm just super hype about the new Toxic Avenger movie. Going to be watching it as soon as possible. Uh, the uh, No official release date as far as like uh, broad release has been made yet. It is still doing, as far as I know, still doing the uh, circuit around for... Um, um, film festivals. 
So from there, we got a really weird one. It's called Silent Night. It's an action, uh, Christmas action movie in the vein of Die Hard, kind of, only leaning a little bit harder into the Christmas elements so as to make no debate whether or not it is a Christmas movie. I mean, obviously, the name of the movie is Silent Night. Uh, stars Joel Kinnaman and Scott Mascudi. Big thing here, though, is directed by John Woo. So big action director doing a Christmas movie. You're going to see a lot of slow-mo. You're going to see a lot of explosions. You're probably going to see pigeons flying off screen in slow-mo at some point or some sort of bird. He likes to do a lot of birds. I think uh, the, the, the joke is it's always pigeons, but I don't think it actually is always pigeons. I could be wrong. I could just be misremembering it, but it, it looks like it's going to be fun. Uh, good is still very much debatable, but it looks like it's going to be fun. Uh, it is a Lionsgate uh, movie. It uh, looks like John Wick for Christmas is effectively what it's going to be. Uh, speaking of Lionsgate, our next movie, Rumble Through the Dark, is also a new Lionsgate action movie releasing some uh, releasing this, uh, November 3rd. There is a proper release date for this one. Aaron Eckhart is going to be the lead for this one. It actually has a bit of a an ensemble, if you will, for the cast. Nothing crazy noteworthy outside of Eckhart, but still some big names in there that you're going to recognize. So that's pretty, pretty significant. I just am a huge fan of Aaron Eckhart. So I think it's great that he's uh, doing something that I want to see again. And uh, yeah, the rumble through the dark. This trailer is doing a bit for me and, and hopefully it's doing a bit for you. Go check it out. That's what we got for trailers. Let's talk about some regular ass news. Starting off the news portion, we are uh, talking about Studio Ghibli. So it was presumed that the next movie that is being released from Studio Ghibli, The Boy and the Heron, is going to be the final uh, Hayao Miyazaki film. Hayao Miyazaki is the man who started Studio Ghibli. He is effectively the Walt Disney for Studio Ghibli. Um, that is apparently very much not the case. Now that uh, the production is done with The Boy and the Heron, which should be rolling out uh, November 22nd in Japan and then worldwide, I believe. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Limited release November 22nd in the States and then uh, nationwide December 8th. So if you're looking to catch some uh, some Studio Ghibli on the big screen, that's when you can do it. But now that production is done there, he has already started the pre-production process for his next movie. So the man, I, di I didn't put down his age, but he's in his 80s. He's got to be. He's, he's getting up there, man, and he just can't stop working. So... I'm, I'm definitely here for it. I'm a big Studio Ghibli fan. We have all of their movies. So, yeah, let's let's do this. Uh, from there, was there something that I skipped? Nope, I believe that it was everything there. So from there, let's talk about Michael Caine real quick. Speaking of movies that are on their way uh, to theaters and such, Michael Caine... Uh, did uh, is is making a movie or has made a movie rather uh, called The Great Escaper that is based on the life of Charles Darwin where he plays Charles Darwin which is pretty actually pretty freaking awesome. Uh, Michael Caine is in his 90s. He is 90 years old and has said that this is in fact going to be his final movie. The movie previous he was thinking maybe he was going to retire soon now that he's done another movie since. Yeah, he's done. Uh, so pretty significant. I, I can't blame the guy. He's got a pretty 
extensive, incredible body of work. So you want to retire at 90, bud, retire at 90. That's, I mean, that's, you've earned it by a long shot. So yeah, super excited for Michael Caine to have a happy and long retirement from the movie business. Uh, let's move next into our other piece, uh, Prey 2. Uh, this probably could have gone in as a follow-up, but I don't think we've actually talked about it up until this point. So uh, the sequel to the Predator prequel that actually got some pretty good reviews. I still haven't seen it. We'll talk about that sometime, I'm sure, in the That Just Happened show. But uh, yeah, Predator or Prey 2, the Predator prequel is, get, is happening. Um, no exact uh, information yet as far as anything, though it does seem that this time it is not going to just be streaming. Very probably we'll see a day and date uh, simultaneous release in theaters and on Hulu, uh, whereas the first one only went straight to Hulu. The only other thing that we know for certain about this movie is that it is going to be once again Dan Trachtenberg behind the camera doing the director thing. A Prey, the first one, was Trachtenberg's second feature-length film. So that's pretty significant. It's pretty actually pretty cool that he's coming back to do the sequel. So yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. I don't know if you are, but I totally am. So that's, that's what we got for regular ass news this episode. Let's now talk about the movie suggestion for the week. Now that it is on Paramount, I can officially recommend that people see this because it is fairly easy to catch, and that is Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Again, not a great horror movie, but a lot of fun to watch. So do not go into this expecting it to be fantastic horror. This is B-horror kind of at its best because it's very obviously made with zero money. It's very obvious that everyone was actually having a good time on set, and it's very obvious that uh, they, they really just were trying to capitalize on something as quickly as possible. That's something very obviously being that Winnie the Pooh is now public domain. So uh, don't go into this thinking it's great. Just go into this thinking it's fun. And that's exactly what it is. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey is your suggestion for the week. Go have a good time. Okay, so that only leaves the rumor mill. Uh, rumor mill, we've got, now that the strike is over, we've got a little bit of uh, stuff to talk about. We have X-Men leading the pack. We also have some Fantastic Four stuff coming out that might be hard to track, as well as a big James Bond rumor. So let's get into all of that. Uh, first up, like I said, X-Men, the writer's strike has ended. And so now the big rumor is that Disney has greenlit pre-production for the X-Men. But the rumor does go on to say that we do not yet have a script, so they are actively looking for writers for this script. Though, somehow, the rumor continues from there, saying that two things, are, and this is from multiple sources, which is why there's some conflicting information, but two other things are true. One is that it is going to uh, tie directly into Deadpool 3, and two is that we are not going to have Wolverine as part of the X-Men team for this initial X-Men movie. So, uh, that is that is the rumor at its base, which let's, let's get into that a little bit. Uh, not having Wolverine be part of the X-Men to start kind of kind of makes sense because the X-Men were not, uh, did not include Wolverine when they were first inceptualized. Uh, Wolverine joined, I believe, in the 80s. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's when it happened. Uh, Wolverine joined in the 80s after they had already kind of been a thing since the 70s. And then he became one of the more popular ones, which is why 
the community is a little bit up in arms about the fact that he's not going to be there, but also tied directly into Deadpool, even though the script isn't done yet, uh, seems like a little bit of a stretch. Um, I think that's one of the things that's really killing the credibility here is that it, it's saying that it's going to tie into Deadpool 3. Uh, the, uh, the, it's also not supposed to be coming out until after Secret Wars. So how do, how do all of these things line up? They, they really don't. Uh, I think that, yes, the, the core of this rumor being that, that it is going to be, uh, that it has been greenlit and they are in early stages of pre-production. I think that is the most true of this. All of this other stuff that has been tacked on by other sources seems like grasping at straws to be sure. So the, the overall rumor uh, as a whole, we're, including all of the ugly bits, we're going to say about 60% likely that any of this other stuff is going to happen. Though, if we're just talking about the core rumor, I would say that's probably like 90% likely that they're doing early pre-production on this movie. So uh, that's what we got on that one. Let's talk next about They Live, apparently is getting a reboot movie. Uh, the original from, I think it was 88, might have been 84, uh, starring Rowdy Rowdy Piper, the wrestler who was one of my favorites when I was a kid, uh, is kind of a science fiction uh would say like a legendary movie but it's not really like it's 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 significant in the science fiction community mostly because of the message not because of the quality of the movie necessarily uh but yeah so they live is getting reboot this time it's going to be starring andy circus according to the rumor and also the subtitle it's not just going to be they live like the first one it's going to be they live the conspiracy unveiled uh, yeah, I don't have really many reasons to not think that this is a thing, especially considering the source. We're going to put this one right about 70% likely that They Live is going to get a reboot movie or like a sequel seems slightly more likely. Either way, I'm saying 70%. So there, uh, let's move into Kang Dynasty, and this is where things start to get a little spicy with this week's rumor mill, because Kang Dynasty, the big rumor here is that it's potentially been canceled. Certain industry insiders who are in the business of leak mongering and rumor mongering have said that they haven't heard anything specifically about this movie for some time, so that is leading them to believe that it has been, in fact, canceled. Uh, I think that entirely too much has gone into promotion for these new Avengers movies, specifically Secret Wars and King Dynasty, that they will not be dropping it off of their list anytime soon. So the likelihood that Kang Dynasty has been canceled, I'm going to give it a little bit because it is a couple of big uh, leak mongers uh, that are saying this. So we'll give it a little bit of leeway, say about 30% likely that that's going to happen. I just am not convinced of anything beyond that. Uh, next up, we have Superman Legacy. Technically, we've got two different rumors. We're going to break this down into two separate things. So let's go over the rumors first. First up, first half of the rumor is that Brainiac is said to be the major villain for the uh, Superman Legacy movie coming from James Gunn and his new DCU. And then the second half of this rumor has uh, actor Skylar Gassando uh, playing Jimmy Olin. Skylar Gassando, I'm pretty sure I'm saying his name correctly. For those that maybe might possibly know who he, know the name but don't know why, he is the 
eldest son of the grandchildren in the Righteous Gemstones. He is the son of Danny McBride's character, the eldest son of Danny McBride's character that wanted to be a stuntman in Hollywood. That is uh, Skylar Gassando. So he is apparently going to be playing Jimmy Olsen. So let's break these two down separately. Like I said, first, uh, the Brainiac villain seems super likely. I can't imagine that Gunn is going to do anything super out of left field, but also only going with Lex Luthor as the villain has been done to death in live action Superman. So he's going to steer away from that. But Brainiac is well enough known amongst the normies and such that that seems super bloody likely. So 70% likely that Brainiac is going to be the primary villain for the Superman legacy movie. And then the second rumor being Skylar Gassando. There's, I mean, there's one way or the other. We literally just got back into the area where we can even speculate on stuff like this. So having them make this casting that quickly seems rather unlikely, though still possible. So we're going to ride the fence. We're going to go right down the middle, about 50% likely that we will be seeing Mr. Skylar playing Jimmy Olsen in the Superman Legacy movie. That's what we got there. Let's move next to back over to Marvel. We're talking about Fantastic Four this time. And this one is, I think, more speculative than actual rumor, though we'll get into that. So uh, the Fantastic Four script apparently is what is scaring away these actors. We've been talking about how uh, Adam Driver has been uh, rumored to be playing Reed Richards. We've also talked about a number of other actors. I can't think of any of them right now off the top of my head, but they've all reportedly turned down the role. Uh, Adam Driver has made a couple of different attempts at negotiations and still keeps turning it down. The rumor here is that it is because the script is entirely too Sue-centric. Uh, that's to the point where it makes Reed Richards almost unnecessary for this for the role. And uh, one of the sources for this even went so far as to say that it made Reed Richards into uh, uh, oh, wait, something negative. I can't even think of what the word is now, uh, but it made Reed into a joke. We're going to just put it that way. It made Reed Richards a joke of a character. And that's why all of these actors are turning it down. So I... <laughs> This is this is way speculative. There's there's no way for us to confirm or deny any of this information, unless when the movie comes out, we still have remnants of this. And which, if this is if this is at all to be believed, then we won't see many remnants, if any, when the movie gets made. So likelihood that this is the reason why things are so kind of chaotic behind the scenes with the Fantastic Four movie. We're gonna put it just above 50%. We're going to say 55% likely because that does kind of sound like something Feige would push, though to his detriment, I don't know if I buy that. So from there, we have two more rumors. Let's talk about Avengers Kang Dynasty one more time. This time we're talking about a, a possible actor showing up in Kang Dynasty. Uh, Tobey Maguire has recently been rumored to be uh, returning as Spider-Man in Kang Dynasty. This time it's not Secret Wars. We're talking the other one. Uh, so 
that we've we've been hearing something to do with Tobey Maguire for some time. So it sounds like very possibly there are some negotiations going on, some wheeling and dealing behind the scenes uh, between Sony and Marvel and Toby. And they're just trying to figure out where they can put Toby. Uh, this is, again, very much speculation as to what's going on, rumored behind the scenes. So it seems like that is a good, as good a place as any, as any to put him. I can't say that it's going to be super likely, though... Again, this is this is such fan service at this point. I feel like they're kind of doing as much fan service as possible. We're going to say 75% likely we will be seeing Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man to some degree in the Kang Dynasty movie. And then our final rumor is potentially one of the bigger ones for the week, and that is James Bond. Uh, the rumor is that Christopher Nolan is in active discussions with the James Bond people. Uh, uh, was it? Barbara Broccoli, Karen Broccoli, I can't think of her first name, but Broccoli is her last name. The lady who runs all of the James Bond stuff. Uh, he's in active discussions with her to, to direct not one, but two James Bond movies. Uh, when broached on this subject recently in interviews, he's kind of danced around the answer without really committing to anything. So that definitely lends one to believe that that is the case. But he has said previously doing something with a pre-established IP creates a set of limitations that he's not super comfortable with. So we're going to say, uh, I actually have, we're going to up it from what I have written down. My, my, my written estimate was 60%. I think it's a little bit more likely than that. I th I'm going to go 10% uh, more. We're going to say 70% likely we see Christopher Nolan direct to James Bond movies, specifically because even though he is adverse to doing something with a pre-established IP, he did Batman to an exceeding, uh, exceedingly great level. And so that, it, it seems to be uh, uh, limitations he's willing to deal with. And that's what we're gonna say for the rumor mill nerds. And actually that's where the episode ends. So let, what did I miss? What should we talk about in the next one? Let me know in the comments down below. If though you wanna go deeper in the conversation or you just don't know what the hell I've been talking about, referencing all of these other things we've covered in the past, then it means you're falling behind on your nerd news and you need to catch up. And to do that, you gotta click the boxes that are appearing there to the side of my face. Assuming you are watching on the YouTubes, if you're listening on the audio platforms, I appreciate you. Or if you're over on Rumble, appreciate you as well. But YouTube is the place that you can click those buttons. So that's what we gotta do. Anyway, appreciate your faces, nerds. We'll see you in the next one before we go. Always, always remember that if it's generally nerdy, it's probably here. <laughs>